0: Good evening, 94 years since the birth of civil rights icon, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.
1: There's something strangely inconsistent about a nation and a press that will praise you when you say be non-violent toward Jim Clark, but will curse and damn you when you say be non-violent toward little brown Vietnamese children. There's something wrong with that press.
0: We look at his most radical speech. may have prompted his assassination and the 60s the whole world was watching as German police battle peaceful protesters trying to prevent the destruction of a village sitting on top of a planned coal mine as climate change icon Greta Thunberg speaks
2: Germany is really embarrassing itself right now I think it's absolutely absurd that this is happening the year 2023
0: with these and other stories I'm Paul Durianzo with the news with this news special on the birthday of Dr Martin Luther King Climate activist Greta Thunberg joined thousands of protesters marching through the rain on Saturday to the German village of Lutzeroth to prevent demolition to make way for a coal mine. As the protesters neared the village, they were confronted by police in riot gear who used batons to push the protesters back. The village near Bonn in western Germany was condemned as part of a deal between energy giant RWE and the state of Rhine, Westphalia, in exchange for ending coal operations by 2030. Inside the deserted town, protesters built barricades, erected treehouses, and dug tunnels to slow the police advance. Lutzeroth has been occupied for almost two years. Climate activist Greta Thunberg gave a speech at the legal rally. She says, Germany, stop making a fool of yourself.
2: Germany is really embarrassing itself right now. I think it's absolutely absurd that this is happening the year 2023. The most affected people are clear, the science is clear. We need to keep the carbon in the ground. When governments and corporations are acting like this, are actively destroying the environment, putting countless of people at risk, um, the people step up. This is only a part of a global climate movement and we stand together in solidarity
0: climate activist Greta Thunberg. Later, the 20-year-old activist was physically removed by police. A video shows a group, including Thunberg, surrounded by supporters being forced across a field by the cops. They say she ignored several warnings to leave. Meanwhile, on Saturday evening, after the clashes between police and protesters, the news reached the cell phone of a 27-year-old activist who braved rain, mud, and cold weather to make his point. His name is Kelly.
3: The police were just out in full force with the horses, the dogs, double lines of cars, double rows of fences, and they just went all in with the batons and the pepper spray and just charging the crowd and trying to stop people from getting as far as they could towards the village. It's pretty hard to see because it was really a beautiful and colorful crowd and you had old people from the surrounding nearby villages and young activists all coming together in this big demonstration, all united by their... Desire to see this place saved from the ever-expanding coal mine, and then just to see that like it's really brutally attacked by the cops is
0: pretty heavy. How did the uh, confrontation play out?
3: There were various police lines on these. Thing is, this landscape is these big open agricultural fields right on the edge of the coal mine. So you've got to cross to get to the village. They were forming lines along some of the small country roads. And then people managed to cross some of these lines into the fields, and then more police would come and back up their colleagues, whatever. So then you had the crowd just trying to navigate this and and run across these fields and get through the police lines, which, yeah, resulted in a bit of a standoff at some point. And then from the activists, there was a, a big column organized, all came walking forward to just, like, basically walk straight through, try and get to the village. And the police saw this coming, and they just really... Formed up and just charged their head on and just attacked and kicking, batons going. Some just like, put the batons away and we're just standing there warming up as if in a boxing match, just ready to throw fists and drop people left, right and center. But nonetheless, like some of these people got through and there was enough of a sort of distraction for the police, I guess, that other people could also then run across the fields. In the end, everybody was just running through this incredibly muddy field. It's been raining here all day, running through the mud. And it was this real surreal scene of then the police turning to run back to try and hold their line at the last little road before the village and everybody else trying to run to get there first. So sort of everyone together with the police sort of running in the same direction across this field towards the village through such thick mud that it was almost everyone was too tired to fight each other whilst they were running. So it's this really surreal scene. And then eventually they formed up and and held their line against the road in front of their fences where they have the vans with the water cannons and everything and then just held that line basically while people uh, formed a big crowd in front of it and then were gradually like attacked and pushed back throughout the afternoon and into the evening.
0: What happens then?
3: Once you're inside you know we still have some structures standing at least as I'm talking to you right now and I think the idea is that like if we could just get some more people in also with some more supplies it would just the those that we have inside, ultimately just hold off the destruction for as long as possible, because at this point, for those of us who have been inside and have been evicted from Lutera these last few days, the idea was really just to bunker down and hold on as long as we could. We do what we could from the inside in the hope that the outside world, there'd be enough people in solidarity and putting on political pressure and pressure on the company to try and stop the destruction. The idea with this big demonstration today was that if enough people could get back in there, then maybe it could just buy enough time for the whole insane project to be called off and for the political decision finally to be made to stop the expansion of this mine because, after all, we're talking about coal and it's 2023, and it's absolutely insane to be expanding coal mines, not just because of Mm -hmm. expropriating people for their homes for electricity that is not really necessary to, to keep homes warm, as the propaganda narrative goes.
0: So the village people didn't take it lying down. Are they joining you in doing this, the former residents of that village, or were they bought off?
3: Yeah, many people have been bought off over the years. The company's playbook is really straight out of the sort of colonial divide-and-rule strategy playbook. Resentment within the community between those who have agreed to sell up and move out and those who try and stay and resist. One farmer, Eckhart, who stayed, who was the last one by a long way, yeah. Um, to stay in the village and, and was effectively squatting his own home in the end because it was legally transferred to ownership of the company and he refused to move out. But he did eventually leave before the police arrived and before this whole eviction started. I don't think anyone holds any grudges against him for that because it must be incredibly difficult seeing your long-term home ripped apart like that. We do have allies in Aledolfo bleiben which is, means all villagers remain. Is the rough translation from German. It's a network of groups of local people who come, who've been campaigning for years to stop the destruction of these villages. Some quite close connections there to the Christian community, because each of these villages, of course, has or had, in a lot of cases, their own church. So many churches, some of them with like real historical value, have also been destroyed for the expansion of this mine. The effect of that is that it's been a really interesting coalition between like the Christians, the local villagers, the farmers in the countryside, and then the climate activists who who come together. And that's been one of the most powerful things in this whole movement is seeing that exchange of narratives. The young people come to this and they see, like, of course climate change is a problem, but like, but wow, this is really messed up that people are being <laughs> evicted from their homes today. No, we need to stop this. And then the old people are like, well, of course, it sucks that we're, our houses are being destroyed, but but this climate thing is really a problem for the kids. You know, damn, we need to think about this. So it's really how, nice to see that that kind of coming together of generations as well. How
0: old are you? I'm
3: 27.
0: I'm glad you're out there. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I would have been in your age, and I would have been told now I'll be out there. Uh, if it happens here, I'd be out
3: there. <laughs> Sometimes been going around, like a lot of door knocking, a lot of the community building workers, you know, really takes time, especially in the countryside, right? you You're here for like 30 years, and you're still a newcomer some of the german activists have really been putting in the groundwork doing that kind of community organizing over the last like i don't know two three years at least a lot of the reaction they get from the neighbors will be like oh well you should have been here you know 20 years ago they're like well 20 years ago i was in kindergarten but you know (laughs) i'm doing my bit now
0: right very good Um, very good
3: where are you right now talking to me from right now i'm walking down a (laughs) down pouring with rain Away from the camp where it's the hub from the, at the end of the demonstration today. The camp was organized as a sort of back office. So a legal gathering point where people could camp and have food and socialize and just hang out together. So you're soaked after being evicted. Are you soaked to um, the skin? You're soaked I'm, in the skin? I'm getting there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? It's not warm. It's cold
3: it could be a lot colder i think we were prepared events like today when so many people together from such a broad coalition see what happens when people confront the state and capitalism ultimately what's for sure is that it will have radicalized a lot of people today to our cause and to the struggle and it's horrible that it's come to that that will be part of the effect from today mm-hmm. no matter what happens with that in the coming days
0: Kelly is an activist who's part of protests over the weekend aimed to stop a coal mine in Lützerat, Germany. Another activist is Alma. She says authorities are violating the agreement to keep carbon in the ground to limit temperature rise to a 1.5 degrees, the minimum to prevent catastrophic climate change.
4: Many people were severely injured and several with life, life-threatening injuries. Um, so today was an extremely difficult day for the 35,000 people who showed up to the demonstration.
0: What was supposed to happen today
4: people went in a demonstration from the village of kenberg to a man which in germany is a legal vigil point where people can always walk to part of the demonstration broke out from the main demonstration to go in the direction of the village of Lützerath, in which many people were still occupying tree houses and structures including a tunnel those people were unfortunately faced with extreme police violence uh, including of course horses paper sprays batons, water cannons and so on.
0: Was this expected?
4: It's always hard to expect police violence, but it's not unusual. So yeah, in a way, we knew that the police would be trying to prevent people from going back into Litserat. We did not, however, expect that level of violence.
0: What do you think the message is from the police?
4: I don't know if the police have a message, to be honest.
0: Really? What's going on in Lutzeratha? It seems to be bigger than a coal mine. Uh, what is going on in German politics and policy and society that uh, uh, people are coming to this confrontation? I mean,
4: more and more people are realizing that we are in a climate crisis and that there is a question of justice in there, and more and more people are realizing the importance of the topic and probably also getting to understand that they have to act on it. Lützerath is not the first struggle of its kind, at least in this region, or in Germany, against coal. So it's also building on the experience of many other movements and occupations of the past 10 years. Lützerath is not just a symbol. It's 560 million tons of coal um, below and behind Lützerath. Uh, so if this village goes, according to the German Economic Institute, that will mean that Germany will break the price agreement.
0: They're supposed to follow international law. They signed treaties saying they were going to reduce climate emissions. What's the excuse for just throwing those to the wind?
4: To be honest, I am not aware of them having shown up an excuse so far. They've simply said that they needed to exploit 280 million tons of the 560 million and say that they could ensure energy security, which Many of the studies have proven to be wrong. They're not minding justifying themselves any more than that.
0: I know it's not a symbol, but a lot of people are looking at it as a symbol because the world is looking at what's happening in Lusaroth. What would be the message? What should people be doing?
4: People have power and that people's people's duty is civil disobedience when states are failing.
0: The state is failing.
4: The state is failing to protect its people. It's failing to, to respect its own constitution in which it's written that the state is supposed to provide a safe and livable environment. Germany is right now not guaranteeing that.
0: I mean, where is this heading?
4: There have been many studies regarding how energy transition can go, what climate justice means in terms of reparations throughout the world, but also within our own countries in racist and racist states. There is a lot of work to be done and enough studies to show that, and it is not undoable. It just gets harder and harder the longer we wait.
0: How did you get involved in this?
4: I guess simply getting aware of the magnitude of the problem and realizing that unfortunately those who were in charge were not doing anything about it.
0: And I think a lot of other people feel the same way?
4: I would expect so, yes.
0: Alma is a climate activist in Luzerat, Germany. The president of North Rhine-Westphalia told German radio that energy politics was not always pretty, but the coal was needed in light of the energy crisis confronting Europe's biggest economy. In related news, German Defense Minister Christine Lambrecht resigned on Monday after months of criticism over Berlin's response to the war in Ukraine. Germany has recently promised, along with Poland, the United States, and other NATO countries to supply tanks and a wide range of weapons to Ukraine. In more war news, the toll from a missile strike in Ukraine reached 40, including three children, with 36 still missing, according to Ukrainian authorities, who blamed a Russian missile. The Kremlin denies responsibility, suggesting Ukraine's air defense knocked the missile off course. The missile hit a residential building in the city of Dnipro, and it was one of the deadliest attacks since the war began 11 months ago. In related news, Russia and neighboring Belarus held joint military drills over the weekend. Belarus says they are defensive, not offensive drills, but reports from the region say it's possible Belarus may join the fight on Russia's behalf. Meanwhile, United Nations Atomic Watchdog Chief Rafael Grossi was expected to arrive in Ukraine yesterday to deploy observers at nuclear power plants across the country. Mortar and other heavy weapons fire has fallen perilously close to nuclear plants many times since the war began. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky appeared in a video address last night. He told Ukrainians 9 million people remain without power because of attacks on the power grid by Russia. As climate protests galvanized Germany and war rages in Europe, millions remembered the life of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Later, the news will take a deeper look into his death with King family lawyer and author William Pepper and his three books on the King assassination, claiming a conspiracy. Not a lone gunman was responsible for murdering King in April 1968. After King was killed, protests and riots erupted across the nation, reaching the gates of the White House. It was part of a tumultuous year in U.S. and world politics, with protests for racial equality and against the Vietnam War merging into a global cry for change. Music was a big part of the radical movement that convulsed the 60s and early 70s. One of the most important songs was written by Neil Young, a Canadian rocker living in the United States. It was about the killing of four students by the National Guard in Kent State, Ohio. Other songs provided a soundtrack for an unusual decade, marked by intense youth rebellion against the status quo. That's the Jefferson Airplane song Volunteers from the album of the same name, released in the fall of 1969, calling for a revolution. Historian and author Aaron J. Leonard just penned his book, The World in an Uproar, Music, Rebellion, and Repression, 1955 to 1972. He says the 60s was the closest the United States has come to a revolution. That's the overturning of the established political order in more than a century.
5: Living through that period, or in my kind of catching the tail end of it, was to have lived through a revolution of a certain kind. And I don't think that that's flowery language, or hyperbole, there's two different worlds. What was allowed in 60, 61, 62, and 69, 70, 71, they seventy-one—they're qualitatively different, and this was bound up with the tumult in society. As I argue, it's numerous forces. There's the Black Freedom Movement, which is huge, and that gives way to the civil rights and uh, the nonviolent aspect quickly develops into black liberation and actual armed self-defense and and notions of uh, of black power and things like that. And then the anti-war movement. We are still living in the consequences of the Vietnam syndrome. The most powerful country in the world is defeated, fighting in essentially what was then considered a third world country. They were defeated and it's stamped U.S. foreign policy ever since. But it also gave rise to a culture. And then the counterculture, which was saying, you know, we don't want to live in this kind of 50s mom baking pie at home, dad working at the office or or whatever. We want to have a whole different sensibility. And that's what's concentrated in the music. And that's why it's appealing. Even for young people discovering it, you can see it clearly. They discover the Beatles. How is this music so fascinating, you know, in operating almost on a genius level because all these social forces are, in effect, concentrated in there.
0: An American Renaissance of sorts, where the world turned like the medieval Renaissance from the medieval times to the modern times.
5: Yeah, that's a good term, a good analogy. Something's going on here. <laughs> it's like so much went into these songs. I make this point about Ohio where uh, Dorian Linsky, who's a, a really great music writer, Says it's probably the best protest songs, and then David Crosby showed Neil Young the Spread in Life magazine uh, that showed the kids killed at Kent State, and that's where that song came from. You know, actual bloodshed, mm. sacrifice, if you will.
0: Doesn't this show um, though that anarchism and yippieism is superior to socialism and communism because in one week that song did with fifty years of communist party organizing activity you could never do?
5: You do have a point in terms of the yippies were able to capture the imagination of broader elements of society with their theater and with their manipulation of the media culture and stuff. Politically, that kind of stuff was constrained as to how far it could go. One thing I realized writing the book is the new left basically arose on the ashes of the old left. And it's still something that the world is. The left, as it were, is confronting today. Is uh, there is no coherent model of a society you know to aim to get to? There is no kind of revolutionary party, if you will, that's yeah. capturing uh, the allegiance of huge sections of those inclined in the population. Things are really fractured. People are really kind of downscaling their aims. In the '60s, was things got kicked wide open because the old CP just didn't control things in the way they had. Not to say that they always controlled everything, but everything sprung in the air. What are the the old rules are gone, what are the new rules? And suddenly there's a lot of possibility, but then it does hit its limit.
0: The weakness being of the sixties that we're gonna get up and we're gonna get going, but they didn't have a roadmap and they didn't have a place to go.
5: It's tough. They were knocking on the door to heaven, but you know, actually getting in was the bigger
0: feat. You see these politicians, Trump, the rest of them, they take these songs. Controversy over a hip-hop song. There was a Bruce Springsteen song. But Some
5: of the songs are ambiguous enough that they're vulnerable to that. But I do hope readers pick up this book and understand these songs originated from something real. And they need to be anchored in that. History is a battleground, and this book is an entry into that battle.
0: Historian and author Aaron J. Leonard just penned The World in an Uproar, Music Rebellion and Repression, 1955-1972. to 1972. It's at repeaterbooks.com. And the Civil Rights Movement had its own playlist of anthems. Among the most notable, Sam Cooke's The Change is Gonna Come.
1: I was born- Ever since, it's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come, oh yes it will.
0: And you're listening to the news from New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. This weekend marked the 94th birthday of slain civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., His life galvanized millions to political action to oppose the centuries-old practices of racism and segregation by white citizens against black and brown Americans. His 1963 March on Washington sparked the passage of the Civil Rights Act, putting Jim Crow in the rearview mirror after nearly a century of apartheid-style U.S. government. The war in Vietnam put King to the test as he lost many friends and supporters in high places after he gave a speech against the war exactly a year before he was murdered.
1: Oh, the press was so noble in its applause and so noble in its praise when I was saying be nonviolent toward Bull Connor, when I was saying be nonviolent toward Jim Clark. There's something strangely inconsistent about a nation and a press that will praise you when you say be nonviolent toward Jim Clark, but will curse and damn you when you say be nonviolent toward little brown Vietnamese children. There's something wrong with that press. And who are we supporting in Vietnam today? It's a man by the name of General Key who fought with the French against his own people and who said on one occasion that the greatest hero of his life is Hitler. This is who we are supporting in Vietnam today. Oh, our government, and the press generally, won't tell us these things, but God told me to tell you this morning. The truth must be told. I'm convinced that if we are to get on the right side of the world revolution, we as a nation must undergo A radical revolution of values. We must rapidly begin to shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society, when machines and computers' profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people. The giant triplets of racism, militarism, and economic exploitation are incapable of being conquered. A true revolution of values will soon cause us to question the fairness and justice of many of our present policies. I call on the young men of America who must make a choice today to take a stand on this issue. Tomorrow may be too late. The book may close. Don't let anybody make you think that God chose America as his divine messianic force to be a sort of policeman of the whole world. God has a way of standing before the nations with judgment and it seems that I can hear God saying to America, you're too arrogant. If you don't change your ways, Because the words of the Lord have spoken it, with this faith, we will be able to speed up the day when all over the world we will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last with this faith. We'll sing it as we are getting ready to sing it now. Men will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, and nations will not rise up against nations, neither shall they study war anymore, and I don't know about you, I ain't gonna study war
0: no more. Reverend Martin Luther King's speech, Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence, delivered at Riverside Church in New York City on April 4th, 1967. In New York City news, Mayor Eric Adams made an unprecedented visit to the southern border over the weekend, saying his city doesn't have enough rooms to host more migrants and strained shelter systems. He spoke in El Paso, Texas.
1: Our cities are being undermined, and we don't deserve this, Migrants don't deserve this, and the people who live in the cities don't deserve this. We expect more from our national leaders to address this issue in a
0: real way. Since September, thousands of migrants, about 3,100 according to Adams' estimate, have been bused to New York City from Texas by the Republican Governor Greg Abbott without New York's agreement. Many of the migrants have been sent involuntarily with no place to stay upon arriving. Adams said in one single day, more than 800 migrants arrived, the record for New York City. In more local news, the Biden infrastructure bill passed last year will dole out $350 billion for highway construction in all 50 states, the biggest investment in highways since the interstate highway system in the 1950s. But even as highway construction ramps up, not all localities are taking the money. In Los Angeles, a proposal to widen Interstate 710 was canceled. Even as in New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy plans to widen the turnpike that runs from the Holland Tunnel past the Meadowlands Sports Complex, a project similar to the one canceled in Los Angeles. Labor reporter Bob Henley has a piece called Building Bridges to the Future, Infrastructure, the Climate Crisis, and the Pandemic in Salon. He says Los Angeles may have the right idea, since new roads just bring more traffic and more air pollution to poor neighborhoods.
2: In the case of California, the U.S. EPA there decided that this expansion project violated the Clean Air Act. That permitted a pause so that local community activists, public health people, people concerned about the issues that we just talked about could make their case. And then Caltrans, to their credit, decided not to go that way. And instead, that money is going to be invested in things like HVAC filtration for schools where there have been these environmental challenges open space so thinking out of the box meanwhile in new jersey it appears they're going pedal to the metal and going forward with the expansion although the governor phil murphy's making some noises that they're going to give it an environmental review we've managed to get hundreds of billions of dollars committed to building new bridges and to improving highways isn't it time for us to have the moral conscience to understand the impacts of doing it the old way. And I'm not saying we don't build roads, but we have to be mindful of their impact and think out of the box. If it would be better for the planet and even sometimes for commerce to have freight trains or water handle cargo, then let's go that way and then solve these problems, public health, occupational health and climate change and the crisis all at the same time.
0: Are we still talking about the days of Robert Moses?
2: to some degree we are, only because there is a built-up lobby. Certainly in this case, it's one of these situations where the building trades, unions, the road contractors, and real estate interests certainly have a head start. In places like California, we are starting to see that other parties are at the table, including communities of color. Even in New Jersey, we saw an instance where Amazon was hoping to throw its weight around to get warehouse space from the Port of New York and New Jersey, and a coalition of Make the Road New Jersey Walking, 32BJ, unions based in the area, were able to make a case to the Port Authority that Amazon shouldn't get a free ride. And ultimately, with the things that they wanted to put in this deal for the lease space, Amazon walked away. So it's possible for community groups and labor to work together and have a direct impact on the world they live in.
0: Right. Is it possible that 1.5 degrees is going to be met, I mean, with this sort of tepid approach?
2: We saw some good news about the ozone. It is true that we're coming into a period where we have the people that traditionally run the economy are coming up with this narrative of scarcity, and now's the time that we want to raise interest rates, and we want to make it tough on working people so that we can preserve the value of money. All of that old architecture has to be done away with because it's how we got here. And all I'm saying is let's make public expenditure stand a certain test. And we should be spending money that solves public health, reinforces occupational health, and slows down the climate crisis. It's possible to spend money and affect all those changes simultaneously. Think of it as an existential Rubik's Cube.
0: Labor reporter Bob Henley has a piece called Building Bridges to the Future, Infrastructure, the Climate Crisis, and the Pandemic in Salon. And that's the news for Monday, January 16th, 2023. The news was produced by this reporter. You can download the news at pauldurienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening and keeping it groovy.